You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am coming to you from the back of our horse trailer at over two acres ranch. I'm Glenn the Geek from from today in Morriston, Florida. Oh, wow. Look at you. New city. I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Wednesday, January 17th, episode 3345. Good morning, horse people. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We have a breed highlight, and you know, usually Jamie and I know a little bit about the breed uh, that we're going to be talking about, or we have at least heard of them in the past. That isn't or true. Or I had like a plastic <laughs> toy growing up with yeah. this breed. Not not today. Not today. We have the North American, how did you say we're going to say it? Destrier. Destrier horse. And Cade uh, can correct us later when we're pronouncing that wrong. But we're going to find out about that. Uh, and Dr. Christie hopefully is going to be here today to talk about foaling season or reschedule. We're going to try again. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try that again. Do you have weird news? Uh, yeah, I have a, a little bit of weird news. Okay, good. Well, we're going to do that today, too. And well, I don't know, we'll do an alter post show. So just as I called you for the pre-show meeting, um, the builders showed up with our barn. And it, it lo- it's a metal barn, so it looks like a giant erector set on the back of their trailer. I mean, it does. It looks like an erector set. Yeah, uh, I remember when they brought mine, I was like, is that it? Like, <laughs> I, I thought it would be a bigger truck. To be honest, because uh, it barns thirty by forty eight, so that's not small, right? I mean, that's pretty I good size. Know. But yeah, so the other thing is the office for this company sent these poor guys to our house address. Now we had given them the property address, but they went to our house. That's an hour away. Oops. So he calls us, and we live in a neighborhood. So he had this truck in the neighborhood, and he's going, I can't see where we're going to build a barn in your backyard. And I mean, our backyard's at the postage stamp. And I said, yeah, where are you? And he gave me the address. I said, you're at our house. They sent you the wrong place. He's like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) In his best Spanish. Um, So they're here now, and if you hear banging and crashing, that's because they're putting our barn together. Yay, uh, totally worth it. Let's see how it goes. I don't know. Last night's been interesting for a lot of people around the country. Uh, I know it's cold. We've got into the 20s here. Uh, how about you? Look, it <laughs> was so nice yesterday. It got all the way up to 22. Oh, it was amazing. Heat wave. Actually get above freezing today. But I mean, I feel like I've been under house arrest. I, it's just been awful. Like, it's been... I mean, like in the negative 10 with the wind chill and even worse, I, I woke up yesterday and it was one, one, one. <laughs> I got to tell you, it lives like that. and you're not even the worst. I mean, <laughs> some of these people had snow and a cold, all of that together. I, I'm feeling yeah, for everybody a, out there. Oh, I know. It sucks everywhere. It doesn't matter. Cold is cold. But man, I mean, we had a couple dustings of snow. School has been canceled, except for Lucas's school, which has been great. Because the roads are fine. It's just people's water pipes are freezing. Um, and my, my automatic waters in the barn did not keep up. The pan was good, but the 
pipes froze underground. So not much I can do about that. It's just been, it's been a uh, livestock nightmare is what it's called. So, um, yeah. And my, my blessed sister-in-law sent out this text complaining about how she was in an office and people kept opening the door near her. And I was like, I want to punch you in the face right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love really the post. The door. I love the post that Peggy did on uh, on the auditor page where she asked everybody to post uh, their barn fashion as they head out to feed in this weather. And I got to tell you, there's some interesting stuff people wear in the winter. Uh, you cobble together whatever you can right now, and uh, there was some interesting. I have to give uh, I have to give a credit though to Julia whose uh, horse husband was out there in a red onesie. So, oh, I love it. <laughs> good job. <laughs> well done. Oh, anyway, we have a show to do. Let's get to some Daily Winnies. Well, happy birthday to Libby Cluett and Zoe Kopoulos. Happy birthday to both of you. And welcome, new auditors, Sue and Sam. Welcome. If you guys haven't asked to join the auditor room yet, just search for HRN Auditors on Facebook, and we'll let you in. And we thank you for your support. We really do, we really do appreciate it. Um, my daily winnie goes out to all of you sweet angels who tried to come up with a name for this little pony that I bought. Update on the pony. The veterinarian is coming out today. She's super excited to meet, uh, meet the, meet the pony. He is, I, I sticked him, farm boy got back in town. So we sticked him yesterday and he stands at 13.3. I guessed it. Oh, he's a spot. hand over scooter. He's a hand taller he, than scooter. Yes. Thank God. He is. He's big enough for me to ride, so that's good. Uh, Precious Magic Gal Jennings, the old Mustang pony I started, was 12-2. So I'm like, mm, I looked ridiculous, but 12-3, I can get behind. Anyway, uh, everybody suggested names. And I'm going to run through some of them because, oh, my God, you guys are so good at naming things. Like, I don't I, and, and the thing is, y'all sent these names in and I want backstory as to why some of them came up with it. But we had names like Checkers, Storytime, Groot, Kismet, Sylvester, Reginald, Rocket, Moondance, Madison, Lucky, Pinto Bean, which, by the way, we came really close to the Pinto word bean. bean but I like Pinto Bean. I know. But you know what we call beans in this house? Wow. Testicles. So <laughs> <laughs> couldn't call them beat. Uh, <laughs> Scout, Cowboy, uh, Ryan, Fergie, Rocket, Wade, Norman, Angus, Jellybean, Buckle, Finn, Spot, Teddy, Peter Parker, Gus, Tejas, Ranger, Captain Hook, Artie, B- uh, Banjo, Hank and Chance, and then the two finalists. Well, the one that I liked the most was the the name Goose. I was like, that is a great name for a pony. We already have Mavericks, and we'd have Maverick and Goose. Oh, yeah. You'd you'd have the whole movie right on your farm. But I've always had this thing where I feel like ponies need to be named after food. And I just, (laughs) I don't know why. I went Muppets, but that's okay. Chocolate chip. (laughs) I I, like the ponies. Like guinea pigs need food names. I don't know why. But I, I just mentioned that to Chad. And he came down and saw the pony yesterday. And... As much as I love all your suggestions, y'all know the rules. If we let the husband name the horse, then the husband will like the horse 
And then we will be uh, greenlit to do whatever we want with said pony or horse. So the name that Chad came up with after, and he read through all of them. And I think there was some rhyming things that he kind of played with. And um, pony's name is now taco. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, you once he said taco, I was like, yeah, I see that. I guess see that. I can see taco. So taco is now in the barn. And I mean, I had cool. I was like, his show name is going to be talk to me goose. Like it's going to be like a whole thing. Uh, and Chad's like, no, his name is taco. <laughs> so well, y'all know the it. rules. <laughs> we just have to live by the names. So. You can spell it and say it. So that's good. I know everybody knows what a taco is. And somebody, I, I mentioned it and somebody said, I'll never turn down a taco. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now Taco Tuesday has a new meaning. Oh my God, there's a show name right there, Glenn. Taco, taco Tuesday. Tues- I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> okay, perfect. Now he's got a show name. I was thinking we got to come up with something with Taco. Taco Tuesday, duh. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Glenn. So basically, when the two guys in your life have helped you name the horse. You know what? Maybe I'll cancel that if you're going to take too much credit for it. His name is Taco Wednesday now. <laughs> well, IVQ is it. a free app for equestrians and is breaking down barriers and making the sport more accessible to everyone. The app connects riders with local opportunities such as riding lessons, horse leasing, and equestrian jobs. This really is one of the most comprehensive apps that we have seen. Uh, go check it out today if you haven't already. Sign up. It's free to sign up and free to use it. It's LiveEQ. That's L-I-V-E-E-Q dot com. All right, next up, or first up today, we have Cade Bartlett, who's going to join us to talk about this breed that we mentioned before that we hope we're even saying right. But I don't know nothing about it, so we're going to learn about the North American. This is where you jump in and say the word. Oh, hold on. I got to get to it. The North American Destrier. Destrier. I mean, it could be Destrier. I don't know. Well, let's find out. Well, hi, Cade. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you. Where are you located, Cade? Uh, Wallowa, Oregon. It's the far northeast corner of Oregon, about two hours from the Idaho border. Oh, it's nice and sunny there then, uh, and warm. Hot. Uh, Hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Everything everything you said, the polar opposite. (laughs) Literally, the polar opposite. (laughs) Cade, tell, first of all, Pronounce the name of this breed for us, and we'll see if we even got close. Okay, so it is currently a breed in development. We have not reached purebred status yet, uh, but it is the North American Destrier. Destrier. Now, am I right? I used to do work at the Renaissance Fairs, and I owned an acting company that did medieval feasts for years. The Destrier, wasn't that the horse that the knights rode? Isn't that what they called them? That is correct. Oh, okay. Um our 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 we were paying ho- we are paying homage to the history of what the Destrier was, uh, but we are recreating a a a, a modern version. Um, and with that we've compiled different breeds um in in order to create that. So why? This is the question. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been there has been uh there was a few years back um there was a move to create the uh drum horse right and the drum horse was uh, uh 
bred uh, for the sole purpose of carrying the large kettle drums in the cavalry. Um, and the move that was made here in the States was to have a more athletic draft. Now, a lot of people don't realize that before, uh, the international drum horse association, there was the gypsy cob and drum horse association. Um, now the gypsy cob and drum horse association years ago, um, had one key component that is now different than the drum horse of today. And that is that they allowed the inclusion of Frisian blood. Um, when IDHA uh, was founded and took over, they removed the Frisian blood. Um, so we, when we branched off and started our own registry, and I had decided that I wanted to develop a more athletic, refined uh, riding horse, but still maintain draft appearance, um, we decided as a board that we would go ahead and use the three, uh, 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 founding breeds that the drum horses were using at the time, which was Shire, Clydesdale, and Gypsy, uh, Vanner. Um, but we would bring back in Frisian and because our horses are vastly different in type, um, and have that, that refinement and the elegance that the Frisian brings in, we found that our horses met more of a type of a destriere than they did a drum. And so that is when the North American Destriere Horse Registry was founded in November of last year. So if we go back in time to the Knights, uh, we, you know, we all think that they were riding these great big huge draft horses, but that wasn't the case, was it? No, no. And most people uh, don't realize that uh, the average height of a horse in that time was 14 to 15 hands. Um, the, the larger the horse, yes, as more intimidating, but more cumbersome. Uh, the larger horses were used for farm work, um, pulling carts, uh, trade. Um, and so, yes, the, the, the fifteen to fourteen to fifteen hands was average. Now our breed standard calls for a minimum of fifteen hands, but we do not have a height uh, requirement uh, for a maximum. So what what, we, what you're basically trying to get is a more athletic draft horse, as I'm understanding. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's why we that's why we uh, uh, brought in the Frisians. Now are there. Sh- I mean, are you looking at doing shows specifically for these horses? What are you looking at doing with the breed? Yes. So we will actually be putting on some virtual shows this year. Um, the traditional Gypsy Cobb Association is based in the UK. Um, there is going to be a, an in-person show in August uh, here in Oregon where there will be destrier classes. Um, we, uh, we plan on putting on another TGCA sponsored show, um, back East, uh, as well. Um, so there will be shows for them. Now they will show in a different class than drum horses, um, based because of the type being different. Um, but yes, there will be opportunities for people to show. And, uh, we've had, we've had quite a, uh, following of people, as you mentioned, that are doing the Renaissance uh, reenactments. So your look, I mean, when I'm on your website, basically we're talking, I mean, because of the different uh, breeds that are you're putting together to make this, the horses all look a little bit different. There's not like a standard black horse or that kind of thing. 
Right. And because this is going to take so long for this to uh, reach purebred status, because we're following the filial uh, system the way it was designed um, when it was created um, What's so that many mean, years by the ago. Way, filial? Right. So it's the F generation system. And when you're doing breed development, um, when you take a, uh, say, hypothetically, I take a gypsy vanner and I cross it to a Frisian. That resulting offspring is what's called an F1 because each parent um, is an F0. They're the starting base. So when I blend those genetics, I get an F1. Now, if I take an F1 and I breed it to another F1, I get an F2. And you work your way up. um, And once we get into the F4s, F5s, and F6s, we're getting to purebred status. But because we all know how long it takes to produce a horse and grow a horse out uh, to where it can reproduce, this this will take quite some time. And so as we're in the beginning phases of this breed development, we are going to see variation in type um, until people start breeding selectively for type based off the breed standard. Um, and we start producing more animals that meet that breed standard. Boy, this is a long process, isn't it? This is a long yeah, con, I mean, man. It, you know, it is. It's a very drawn out process. It's a very long process, but it, the thing that I found interesting is it seems that our ancestors and people of the past who created the Shires, who created the Clydesdales, who created the Gypsy Vanners, um, I'm sure they were called crazy back then as well. But look at us hundreds of years down the road now, and we have these breeds. And I think it's, I think it's awesome to now in this century work on developing another breed that maybe a hundred years from now somebody else gets to enjoy. Well, that is cool. That is cool. And you know, I, you know, I love the I love the idea of this. I'm a draft horse guy too. I'm a draft horse and a pony guy. So, um, you know, when I'm when I'm looking at the pictures and when I t- uh, took a look at your website, I kind of got it. And also a Renaissance guy, right? So I kind of got it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I got where you were going with it. Um, and then you add the gypsy in, and then you're going to get color. I mean, you're going to add some color into it. Um, mm-hmm. eh, this is pretty cool. How many do you think, how many people are working on the project? How many breeders? Um, I believe, I oh, I believe we have about 15 breeders that are working towards creating North American Destriers at this time. And do you have some? Oh, I do. Yes, I have a I have an F two stallion. I have a F two uh, filly, and I have a F two mare, or excuse me, an F one mare. Uh, the F one mare will be bred to the F two stallion uh, this year, and that'll produce an F two full. Um, and then we have a, another full that will be an F two reserved uh, that we will bring in next year. Very cool. Well, good luck with this. I, you know, I don't know that we've ever talked to anybody that was at the beginning stages of this process. So it's interesting to learn how it all works. Uh, good luck with it. And and are you a knight, by the way? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> when in it his sounds, heart he is. He sounds okay. like he needs in my, a suit in of my armor. Heart, in my heart of hearts, I am. I am. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like you do need a suit of armor. I mean, you got to have one laying around. Like, to do you this. know, somebody said that I needed to get. I needed to get full full attire and uh, have a photo shoot with my horses. You do uh, in all the garb. You so do. That would be I perfect was, for your website, right? 
be perfect. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. That only cost you about more than one horse, but you know, who's who worth it? Yeah, who's worrying about money at this point? <laughs> oh, I know. Right. Yep. At this point, I think you know, and that's what you know. Uh, my my grandpa told me one time. He said, "Do you know how to make a small fortune raising horses?" And I said, "No." He said, "Well, you have to start, start with, with a large fortune." That's right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Kate, thank you and good luck. The website is nadhr.org. Nadhr.org. We'll put a link to it in our show notes if you want to head over there and check out the pretty horses. Thanks, Kate. Okay, thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. There you go, brand new registry. I I didn't know how all that worked. It takes a long time. I mean, that's a long time. You gotta I, like, be committed. I hope he's young. <laughs> I hope he's young. Yeah, I know. You got to be committed to that. All right, State Line Tech is its sponsor of today's show, and I'm heading over there right now, and guess what the top banner says? Cold weather uh, essentials. Winter weather yeah, here. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly what it says. And when I go there, I find, let's see here, I am finding six pages of blankets and sheets and cold weather boots. What what uh, cold are what boots are you using currently? Um, I mean, I have for like the extreme weather. I have the dry shod haymakers. Do you like those? Which yeah. are oh my god, I love them so much. I mean, I've had them five years. We found those at a trade show when they first started, if I remember right. Yeah, and yeah. I did a review. Hopefully, they buy ads, but I guess I didn't do a good enough review. But, but you five still have years the boots. later, <laughs> I still have the boots. So, well, you can find all kinds of uh, people boots, horse boots, uh, blankets, sheets. Uh, a lot of it uh, is on sale over right now at uh, the Cold Weather Store at StatelineTech.com. And God, you know, I did read a report that right now retailers are selling more blankets this year than they have in the past, like five. Five years. Uh, blankets are selling. I wonder why. And also, they have heated buckets, and uh, they have the th- heaters you put in buckets. They have everything. Uh, so head on over right now to StatelineTac.com for all your winter needs. And I can imagine there's a lot of blankets right now being torn to shreds. No. <laughs> this Horse Health Report is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. Dr. Christy Grand's going to be back with us, hopefully. Hopefully she's, keep your fingers crossed, to talk about foaling season. Well, we've got her this time. I would like to welcome Dr. Christy Grand to the show to talk about foaling season. Christy, where are you coming uh, to us from? Uh, I am at Colony and Coons Equine Hospital in Columbia City, Indiana. Ooh, that's a beautiful place to deliver babies in the winter. Whew, sounds yeah, fun. No kidding. <laughs> It's pretty cold. Oh, my gosh. Well, now, do you find that on the worst stormy nights that the, the, that's when the mares have the babies? Uh, I don't know that there's scientific proof that that happens. But, yes, I feel like weather changes definitely uh, push things along. Yeah. Or maybe it's just that we feel like it's the most inconvenient <laughs> time. And that's what happens. Yeah, that could be true. Could be true. Well, hey, we're here to talk to you about foaling season. I have had three foals and um, I'm never doing that again. I said that <laughs> last time, but for real this time, I really mean it. It is such a challenge and it's so um, it can be so daunting um, and difficult. But let's get started talking kind of about the the beginning of of having a baby. I'm assuming you're here to talk about the actual delivery day. 
Sure. I mean, I'll talk about anything. Yeah. But, but <laughs> sure. Yep. The delivery day is probably one of the most important places to start for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've noticed our mare is getting close. She's given us a telltale signs. We've started to milk her out and do the little, do you use those milk test strips? Yep. So we use, um, we actually use pool test strips, but they are basically looking at calcium and pH changes right before they are ready to go. So even the pool ones are the exact same, the ones you use for your pool are the exact same ones that you can spend 10 times the amount of and buy online for your horse. Uh, they're not the exact same ones, but they work, um, pretty well, especially if you can't get your hands on the other ones. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So it's time we've got the stall bedded. We're waiting in the barn at night and the baby starts to come talk to me goose. (laughs) So the biggest thing that I tell people is, um, you got to know who to call and call fast. So the big thing or the big difference between mares and humans is that mares go super fast. They have explosive labors and even 30 minutes can be too long for that baby to be stuck in the birth canal. Um, So obviously in a perfect world, um, every birth would be attended. Obviously there are plenty of mares that fall out without, um, a human being present and do just fine. Um, but to minimize possible catastrophes, obviously having a human there is very, very helpful. Um, and a lot of it is really just knowing what to look for. So nature is amazing and has created animals that know what they're doing. And the majority of mares are going to fold just fine without help. Um, but if you know, um, what to look for as far as, you know, that you should be seeing two feet in a nose. Um, and if you're not seeing that, you need to figure out what is there so you can rearrange it if need be. Um, you need to know um, that what you should see first is white or clear, not red, um, that you're not dealing with a red bag. Um, so a lot, usually what I tell people is most of it is a whole bunch of preparation for 10 minutes of the mayor doing her thing and then yeah. you don't need any of that preparation after. But if you don't have that preparation, you can be in big trouble really quick. Um, so knowing who you're going to call if there is problems and calling them sooner rather than later is the other deal. Um, having transportation arranged if necessary, because dystocias, you know, when they have are having trouble delivering dystocias, a lot of times are best handled in a hospital setting uh, where you, we can put them under general anesthesia, use a hoist basically to help us, um, you know, lift their butt up in the air and get us some more room in there. So, you know, having your truck and trailer available and not frozen to the ground um, with, you know, out of gas, anything like that yeah. is very, very important. And Um, and it's important to have, yeah, like you say, like dystocious, but also, you know, to know the mare and say, okay, is this a mare that does it pretty easy? Is this a mare that may have some trouble? This last fall that I had, I was heading out of town and I was like, you know, I just don't know if she, she tends to go about a week early. So I took her to this clinic. I even got back home and I was like, you know what? She's three days away. I am going to just leave her. And, um, and it's a place that checks them like, constantly and they they noticed one spot of blood on her inside of her ankle uh inside of her hawk pulled her in sticked her arm in there and they felt a shoulder so 
and he had told me the veterinarian there told me if, if she wasn't here, they'd all be dead. Um, yeah. And so yeah. sometimes it's best to, if you're not one who can handle things like clearly I'm not uh, to have, you know, even take them somewhere that that does this. Take yeah. Them to you. Yeah. And that, and, you know, a great example, we have a mayor here at the clinic right now that um, has never had any problems having a baby, but they live 45 minutes away and they really don't want to get in trouble and be 45 minutes from help. Um, and so she's here a lot because there's, you know, weather and that kind of thing. And we also don't want to be traveling through that, but um, yeah, that's a huge thing. If you're not comfortable um, or experienced or you're at all nervous about your mare, definitely seek out either a veterinary clinic or a breeding facility, somebody that um, can help in regards to, you know, that actually deliver the actual delivery process. And right. sometimes it's worth putting the extra money into that than to have a disaster happen um, yeah. in the end. So, yep. So your baby's born, comes out, everything's fine. Nature does this job. Nobody needs to mess with it and interfere. What? Tell everybody what the one, two, three rule is. So one, two, three, we say uh, from the time that hit the ground, they should be standing in an hour, nursing in two hours, and the placenta should be completely passed in three. There is definitely some wiggle room, but those are definitely the markers that we follow in regards to when to call your vet. Um, sometimes your vet will say, just sit it out for a little bit, um, depending on you know what the exact situation is. But in general, standing in an hour, nursing in two, and the placenta out in three. Okay. And it seemed very weird uh, to me uh, when I had uh, the first bowl is don't throw that placenta away. You save it because your veterinarian is nope. going to want to look at it. As gross yeah. as it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, throw it in an empty feed bag um, or a garbage bag or something, but we want to see it at that new full exam just to make sure that it's all there. Um, it's huge, and there can be tears and that kind of thing in it, so we just want to make sure that there's nothing left behind. Um, it also can give us a, um indicator that we need to watch this full close for any problems in the you know first 24 to 72 hours, um, depending on, you know, any evidence of placentitis or other infections or anything like that. Gotcha. Now, I think one of the, the common issues that, that arise later in the foal's life, if you can call it an issue, is when people, they see the baby and they want to go and snuggle and kiss it and touch it and rub it and love it. Now, some people call that imprinting. Some people call that overly overly handling the horse. What do, what do you encourage people to do when their foal is born? So I am more of a hands-off, like let nature do its thing. Um, I do think it's important to establish boundaries right off the bat with these foals. Um, you know, we're in a unique situation in a hospital setting where we are handling these foals quite a lot because we're doing lots of things to them. Um, but we need the mom to establish dominance over that baby and teach that baby proper manners um, and how to handle itself around humans and when to be scared and not scared and, and that kind of thing. So yes, getting in there and, you know, touching its feet and making sure that it is comfortable with a human is great, but we shouldn't be so on top of it that it thinks, you know, we're an equal or, um, we're the mother. 
and, and one of the ways to think about it is, you know, it's all cute and cuddly when it's 50 pounds, but when it's a thousand pounds and it thinks that it's your play, your it's playmate, we could be in huge trouble getting people hurt. So we have to establish those boundaries early, um, that we're, we love them and we're in charge of them, but they can't run us all over. Give me some space. Yeah. So I story about that is I was at a place where they had had a mini full and they'd never had a mini full before. And the little girl, the teenager taught it was when she slaps the lap, the mini full comes running over and like dives on the ground and kind of rolls over like a dog. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cute right now. But what about when that mini is 500 pounds and thinks it should run over and kick its feet up in your face? Like, so yeah, make good decisions, people. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yep. Um, Also, before we let you go, give me some uh, cold weather foaling tips because this is the, I mean, they never have them on beautiful sunny days. I mean, we don't design it like that. So what can we do to, to help everybody? No, they don't. The So the big thing is to make sure that they, they're they in a place that is out of the wind um, and out of the elements. So um, a closed barn with decent ventilation is great. Nice deep bedding, um, shavings or straw. I think people go back and forth on what the best for babies is. But um, a nice bedded, clean, dry stall uh, out of the wind will do just fine for them on the super, super frigid days you know, getting in there and, you know, giving the mare a chance to clean her off or clean the baby off, but also maybe helping her dry off a little quicker and getting a blanket on them is fine. Um, but you'll be surprised even on the frigid days, how warm a stall can be out of the wind. Um, especially if you've got multiple horses in that barn, you know, sometimes people will put up, um, heating lamps or that kind of thing. Um, I think sometimes we don't give them as much credit as uh, nature has given them. Uh, They tend to do pretty well as long as we can get them dry and, and, you know, again, a a bedded stall that they can huddle under um, and huddle with mom. I mean, it's so interesting too, like just in the same area. So I have a friend that delivers a bunch of foals and she likes to have it done out in her field as she feels like it's a yeah. cleaner open space. Uh, but if yeah. I did that here, I would have to worry about coyotes, you know? And so yeah. you've got to kind of like know your location, I would think as, yeah. as far as that, like what's around you. Yeah. And it, it's very much a pick your battles situation too, because yes, a nice, you know, field is, beautiful and clean and they can get out of the piles of manure and that kind of thing. But you're right. You know, if it's freezing cold or if there's predators or anything like that, you got to fight that too. So take your battles, make sure they're clean, dry, um, and can at least get somewhere that they're not being rained on or anything of that nature. Well, Dr. Grant, it has been a pleasure having you on talking about this. It's 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 exciting and it's scary, but it's rewarding at the same time. And thank you for for doing what you do. I mean, I know there's a shortage of veterinarians in the world right now, and we appreciate you being one and coming on to talk to us about this. Absolutely. Anytime. Where can people go and learn more about your clinic? So we are at Conley. Uh, sorry, Conley and Coons Equine Hospital. So ckequinehospital.com. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram. And our young vets are working on a TikTok page I hear too. So. Look at that. Yeah. I'll have you modern <laughs> yeah, in no exactly. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Thanks, Dr. Grant. Have a great one. 
You're welcome. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. This is make you want to have a baby again, Jamie? No. <laughs> no. Not after the last experience. Yeah. I'm still recovering financially from that one. Yeah, but you she's also, in a good place. And I mean, she's you had about well. every problem there, you know, almost everyone you could deal with right there. Like from the beginning. Yeah. From like... I mean, so she was born sideways, came out, and then uh, got a laceration from the stall, like hit herself in the stall and got a huge rub on her side. Then she had to be bandaged for that. Then she got epiphysitis, and then she broke her knee. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) And thankfully, that's the one with Celeste right now, our listener, Yes, our listener, Celeste. She knows she's not going to be rideable, but she's bred to the hilt, man, so (laughs) she should be good to go. All right. That's great. Well, uh, this segment was brought to you by Daily Dose Equine. We're going to hear from them, and then we're going to come back with some weird news. Hanging out here with the mad scientists who developed Daily Dose Equine horse feed formulas, Janet Geyer. And you might wonder, whenever I get my horse feed delivered to my door in Maryland or Texas or California or Missouri, am I getting the same horse feed? And the answer is... The answer is that it is always the same formula, always the same horse feed. We don't change ingredients. Uh, We are a fixed formula feed mill. Well, it's time for some weird news. And I got it. Can I start? Can I start? Can I start? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't usually do weird news. But this is a follow-up to your weird news story from last week. You talked about the Virginia lady who went shopping at Goodwill bought this vase for like $3 and then ended up getting it appraised and selling it for a hundred grand. Remember that one? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, first of all, I got to see a picture of the vase. It's one ugly piece of, piece it's of just glass. Gar- like, I wouldn't have even bought it if I was looking for a vase. I know. It doesn't even, it looks more like a bottle than a vase. I didn't get it. Yeah. But I don't know why it was so expensive. I didn't read that part. But, Turns out she's a horse girl. She's a horse trainer. Uh, love it. <laughs> so we know who's not getting the money, her husband. We know who is and getting money, anybody the else, horses. The horses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought it was kind of funny that she was a horse trainer and it was one ugly vase. <laughs> Shows you what taste we have. Yep. All right. Exactly. That's my follow-up. That's my contribution for this week's Weird News. Okay, you can hit the music then. I, I don't have it. Oh, Okay. Sorry, there's no music today. I'm remote and I don't have Oh, that's right. You're in back your (laughs) horse trailer. Yes. Uh, Okay. Well, I have a follow-up to your news story that you gave a while ago. Remember you talked about that dog who was like the oldest dog ever? Oh, yeah, yeah, It was uh, in Portugal. It was supposed to be like almost 31 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you bring your trash and your false, your fake news oh, no. onto this podcast anymore. <laughs> there is a big problem with this. Doubts have been raised over whether he really was the oldest canine ever. Um, the Portuguese government apparently logs dogs, but they didn't start logging dog ages until like a couple years ago. And so they kind of were like, yeah, he's this old. And his name is Bobby. And skeptics have been looking through pictures of Bobby in his youth versus in his senior years, which, by the way, he has like no gray hair in these older photos. It's kind of weird. But apparently in his youth, he had white paws. And in his older age, 
He had brown paws. Oh, they change with time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like horses, they change color. They get darker, typically. Wasn't um, this a Guinness thing, too? Yes, Guinness World Records is withdrawing its title oh. until the investigation <laughs> is completed. They They're investigating. <laughs> they got tricked. <laughs> um, they, the, the publication said it appears his old age may have instead been due to slack effect checking. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> got fired. How desperate do you want attention that you make this all up? You know, and the oldest dog, I think, was Spike, and it was a Chihuahua. And I think he was like 20, 18 years old, 20, 22 or something like that. And they came up with this dog is 31. Like, you just threw a big red flag out. Like, you could have said 21 and a half. You know, no, we have to go with he's 31. Come on, give me a break. Anyway, drama has is unfolding in the offices of the Guinness World Records books and the representatives are, uh, well, they sent all this. We are reviewing how we verify animal age records at the moment. So instead of reinstating Spike as the record holder, we are going to discuss the possibility of arranging for a second veterinarian to assess Spike. That's the second place one because all Bobby in Portugal, he's out. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine record keeping's not really great at some of these places either. Plus, you don't get a birth certificate with your dog if it's not a registered yeah. breed well th and that's the problem with spike as she found him in a parking lot when he was already grown oh she so, has no idea how old he is <laughs> she doesn't know they don't know about the portugal dog like, we can't do none, teeth with dogs right we can't look at their teeth to... nothing's adding well no. they looked at my puppy and knew that she was eight weeks old because she had her eight week old teeth came in but i think once they're in they're in. Yeah, they don't get they, little lines on them like the horses. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, not typically. <laughs> All right, All next. Right. Uh, here, next. I'll, uh, you want me to? I could drum or something in between. Uh, no, it's good. Please okay. don't. Right. Uh, so the next story comes from we're going to go to Divide, Colorado. The town of Divide, Colorado, for the past 12 years, has elected an animal as its mayor. It is a part of a long-running campaign hosted by the Regional County Animal Shelter. To vote for a mayor, you go on and it's $2 to, to place a vote. And they've raised thousands and they've saved thousands of animals and they're really great. But um, the current mayor is, I mean, his time has run out. He's, he's, his name is Clyde. And he's uh, he's a donkey and Clyde the donkey has, is stepping down as the current mayor. And by the way, he's super cute. Like there's a video. Oh, my God. He's like one of those giant donkeys. It's like super fuzzy. Oh, adorable. The jokes write themselves. So we had an ass as a mayor. I kind of feel yes. like we have a lot of those in Congress, too. I think that they're now going away from the ass because in the current election, that is, uh, they're taking animals' names. You can fill out an application. They're due by January 31st. And officials say that so far, the current field for the town's upcoming mayoral election consists of three dogs. They only had one ass in town. <laughs> Big, big news. Yeah. Only one ad. They're tired of the ads. <laughs> Gotta move on. All right. Next story. It seems weird to not have I know, a little I'm bump sorry. in there. I had um, some music, not other music. So we're we're gonna go to Lake Tahoe area, California, and um there's a uh 
woman, husband and wife that they were like, "Mm, there's something under our house. Like, we don't know what it is, but there's something under our house. So they climb under their house and look, and there's a bear under their house, a bear and making a home under their porch. That's probably not ideal. So they, okay, this is where stupid comes in. They call a handyman. That's like, hey, handyman, we have a bear underneath our porch and we need you to fix it. That's stupid number one. Stupid number two is the handyman that showed up for this job. The handyman goes under the porch. (laughs) Find you. There's allegedly a bear under the porch. He goes under the, the, the house, looks around the crawl space with a flashlight. Ain't no bear here. Didn't see a bear. So he installs bear wires around the patio and the bottom of the house. And bear wires are to keep the bear, to prevent the bear from coming back and burrowing it into its Is little it den. Under the house. They're like, I don't know. They don't have a picture of it, but I'm assuming, like, I think no climb fencing kind of Yeah, real thick. Yeah. It's real bear proof, no climb. Uh, So uh, the bear, uh, unfortunately, was still under the house. (laughs) So now. (laughs) Now he can't get out. (laughs) The handyman has trapped the bear. And he's really (laughs) And bear is not happy. So the owners decide at this point we should probably call in a real professional who handles bears and do you know what the <laughs> professionals who handle bears are called in north lake tahoe bear California? the bear league, bear league. <laughs> the bear league they were summoned the to the scene just they, writing themselves it's today. just too easy it's like a joke overload uh they removed the wires temporarily so the bear could be urged to leave at some point, I think they did get the bear out, but the the um the post uh, says the moral of the story is call the bear league if you think there's a bear under your house. Don't expect your handyman to crawl underneath and confront a bear face to face with no experience and no idea what to do. He probably shined around his flashlight, didn't see eyes, and just closed it up. Unfortunately, it was either probably breathing on his neck or asleep. So, well, isn't it? It's hibernation time. I can understand why they'd crawl yeah. under your house. It's warmer. Yeah, yeah. I di- but like I don't know. Don't I, if I was a handyman or but okay. Say my husband's a handyman and he comes in the kitchen. He's like, y'all gonna believe this? I just got a call to go look at it, see if I can find a bear underneath. You're a handyman. <laughs> You're a handyman for God's sake. You're not a bear wrangler. So uh, yeah, that's a good time. Good time. The bear league. That's how many. That's how often this happens. <laughs> call the bear league. A lot. It happens. One eight hundred bear league. <laughs> All right, last story. I saved this one just for you. Because mm. we're going to go to Australia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where Australia, as we all know, are it's full of things that we don't want to see. I mean, really. Uh, I mean, aside from the Hemsworth family, we don't want to see anything else up there. Uh, because they have things that will kill you. And uh, a reptile wrangler, they have those plentiful i would assume in australia a reptile wrangler was called to an australian home because the mom uh, so at some point this mother is doing her child's laundry and she's got it hanging up on a wire outside uh, all of her son's clothes and she gathers all of the clothes off of the line they're all dry she takes them in she folds them and she puts them away 
Well, he's three, so she's going through the. Thank God it was her. She's going through the. the she's you know, time to get your underwear, and she opens the top drawer, where she found the second most venomous snake in the entire United States, yeah, burn the or, house or, down. entire Just burn world. It down. Burn the whole the thing down. Five foot. <laughs> five foot eastern brown snake was in her three-year-old son's underwear drawer and they did determine that she at some point collected it off the line then folded uh, it and uh, stuck it in the drawer herself herself glenn she did it she put it in her baby's room um oh so they they have video that is showing i'd never it, be right uh, again i would never do laundry again this is the reason we don't hang stuff out in florida no you yeah. can't do it uh yeah, and so there's video. Uh, I've watched the video. You can't watch the video. Okay, It'll be the worst video. thing ever. Uh, the, share the video showing the moment that the, they open the drawer. The Wrangler opened the drawer in the boy's bedroom, and then there's a. I mean, this thing is big. How did she it's miss it second when she most... was folding the clothes? How did it miss her? <laughs> How did it not bite her when she's like cramming children's underwear like into little balls and throwing it in the drawer? I don't know. But apparently the Wrangler said it hid in some clothes the mother brought in from the clothesline that ended up being placed in the drawer with the clothing. Okay. It I was know exactly removed. how this happened. She had the basket out there. She was taking the clothes off the line into the basket. It crawled into the basket. I No, he said that they like to be up on the t- higher line. So probably either it fell into the basket or she pulled it down into the basket. It doesn't matter. It doesn't there matter. was a giant five foot Eastern brown snake in her hands at some point and it did not bite her. She's lucky to be alive. And there you go. That is the uh, telltale sign. You what should about burn the your house poor down child? But she, imagine she hadn't seen the snake and the child went to get its underwear out. I know there, there's so many things that could have happened that, that didn't that they should be very lucky. But anyway, there you go. That's your weird news for the day. Oh, but I didn't thank everybody who sent it to me, by the way. Um, remember, if you are looking uh, in your news and you see a story, that you're like, oh, that's super weird. Email it to me, Jamie at horseradionetwork.com with the weird news in the subject line, just like Lorraine, Michelle, Kate, Colt. Ina, Sheena, Stephanie, and Claire all did. Thank you guys for submitting your weird news stories, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and our, in the post show, I have a news story that I want to talk to you about. That's a hell no from us horse husbands. A big hell no. A big okay, hell no. Gotcha. And it's coming up in the post show for the auditors. If you want to become an auditor, uh, like we had a couple, like Sue and Sam did today, go to horsesinthemorning.com, click on the auditor banner, and for as little as $3 a month, you too can join the auditor group. Well, we really appreciate you guys listening today. We'll have more shows for you this week. It's only Wednesday. We got a couple more for you. Get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com for really bad ads. Believe it or not, after 14 years and tens of thousands of ads, we haven't run out. People are still writing bad ads. So we'll be doing that. <laughs> we'll be doing that on Friday. And people are still buying horses from those ads, Glenn. I know. Weird. <laughs> be safe. Be warm. We're thinking about all of you across the country. Spain Geld. I'll tell you about the weird thing in the post show that I'm going to have looked at on this pony. Taco the pony. 